wins in a row, five total goals allowed. Not a coincidence. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning from Columbus, Ohio. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll also check out. Penguins versus Blue Jackets here tonight at Nationwide Arena. That's a 7.08 p.m. cannon fire slash puck drop. If you've never been here for the cannon fire, all I have to say is consider yourself lucky. Whereas there's been no luck, in my opinion, involved in what the Penguins have pulled off of late. This winning streak has been built from the back out. This winning streak has been built from a consistency, an approach, in mindset, Yeah, it's something I've been trumpeting for months going back to the summer that this team would need to do in the 2023-24 NHL season. Infinitely more important, this is something that Mike Sullivan and his coaching staff have been touting. Now they're finally doing it. Maybe it took a 3-6 and start. Maybe it took getting rattled by some pedestrian teams. Maybe it took, you know, seeing, hearing, and reading around the hockey world that they're slow and old and washed up. No matter how true or untrue any of that was, it can still sting. Or maybe they just figured out that it works. You know, I had a conversation with Lars Eller yesterday back in Cranberry. He's become kind of my guiding light on this specific subject because he's been pushing it ever since he arrived. He understood immediately, not just what the third line that he's centering has to do, but what all of the lines have to do, what the entire team has to do. And that's to defend first, because as he reminded me yesterday, take one look around the room And you'll understand why we should never worry about scoring. We'll go into slumps. We'll go into some droughts. The puck won't always go in for us, but we should never worry about it. If we work with each other, we learn how to operate the system with each other. It's going to work because the goals almost don't need to be accounted for. They are just going to come. Now, there have been tweaks, too. Sullivan and his staff have done some different things in the neutral zone, specifically, where rather than tracking back, they're emphasizing staying on top of the puck. And what that means on top of the puck is not literally, not physically. It means making sure that your body, as simple as possible, is between the puck and your net, no matter where you are on the rink. Not that the other team is some threat to score from the red line, but if you keep that mentality, if you keep that image in your head as a player in this crazy fast game, then you're almost always going to be in a position to defend, to make a difference, to not be chasing the other team, but instead to have them feel forced to go through or around you. This has been huge. It really has. 
And they get it, all of them, believe me. Earlier this season, I was critical of Matt Nieto for approaching the attacking blue line and trying to see what he could do instead of just pushing it through. He's a fourth liner. That can never, ever, ever happen. He can't turn pucks over at the attacking blue line. I asked him yesterday in Cranberry if the team has across the board gone along with all of this. You know, the effort to defend was always there, um, but I just think the decisions we're making with the puck offensively, you know, at, at the blue lines and, and coming up the ice, the decisions with the puck are a lot better. So we're not giving up, you know, odd man rushes like we were at the start. And, um, you know, when we look at video, when, you know, we have numbers back and we're back checking hard. Um, we really don't give up much off the rush. So um, I think that's a, a big reason for our success here lately. I should mention, I brought up that criticism with him as well. He understood the context. He brought up, as you could hear there on the answer, about how the team is responding to certain individual situations. Not just the fourth line, not just Eller's line. Everybody's doing that. Take a look, in particular, at, this might surprise you, the Buffalo game. You know, I had mentioned casually to Brian Rust after this practice that I kind of thought that the Colorado game and maybe the one in Los Angeles were the the real high bars for the season in this regard. He disagreed. He said it was Buffalo. And I'm in no position to disagree. He's out there doing it. He insisted that the Penguins performed more diligently and more consistently over the 60 minutes against the Sabres and that they had done so to the extreme that he felt that the Sabres got a little bit discouraged as the game went along because they would do something good. They would get through the neutral zone and they would feel like, oh, here we go. Here's Tage Thompson, Jeff Skinner. Somebody's going to score. And it didn't happen. It didn't come close to happening. I'm not about to take away credit from Tristan Jari for a 36-save shutout against what's a pretty decent offensive group. But as I told you guys yesterday, I didn't think he was tested all that much. I thought there was one really good flurry that the Sabres had, and that was it. Why? Because the Penguins were that sound defensively. So what has to happen? Well, the obvious I've used the word consistency several times already in this segment. I'm going to use it once more because if that consistency isn't there tonight against the Blue Jackets, who are four, seven, and four, and who probably really don't scare too many teams, there's some names. They've got Patrick Liney on their first line. They've got some players, not a ton, some. But you have to treat them not as if they are where they are or not as if they're still the Blue Jackets. You have to treat them the same way you did the Avalanche, the same way you did the Kings, and yeah, the same way you did the Sabres. It has to become ingrained. That was Eller's main thrust of our talk. It has to become something that's default mode to the point where you don't even really think about who you're facing or where you are. When we come back, J1Q.
J1Q comes from Tom, who says, DK, once John Ludwig is 100% healthy and able to play again, how soon will we see the Ryan Shea slash Ludwig pairing on the blue line? It looked pretty promising, obviously, for an extremely brief time, meaning that game when Ludwig was concussed. That, Tom, as you recall, was Ludwig's NHL debut. He returned to practice as a non-contact participant yesterday in Cranberry. I had a good conversation with him afterward, the first he's had since the hit. And he sure exhibited quite the sense of humor about the hit itself. I mean, he goes to try to lay out Roddick Foxa from the stars and Fox's helmet catches him just the wrong way in the face, and he takes the worst of it. And his dad, Jan Ludwig, who played for the Devils like a thousand years ago, was teasing him about how he once checked somebody very similarly. Only the other guy was the one who got hurt. It's a, it's a shame that he went down, obviously, for more reasons than one, principally his health. He swears he's fine. Uh, Mike Sullivan supported that afterward, saying Ludwig's checking all the boxes in the positive sense. There's not going to be any rush after a concussion. There's going to be a whole bunch of more tests, so I don't know when exactly he's going to be back. I do know that he made, no pun intended, an impression on management. Uh, They like the fact that he's uh, willing to play physically, eager to play physically, And they liked a lot of his other traits that he showed in the sense that he's mostly just a reliable, smart, uh, heady, eyes open defenseman. And if you think about the scope of the role of being that defenseman who's on the depth chart behind, you know, Chris Letang, Eric Carlson, you're probably going to be asked to turn in six, seven really good minutes that night. So you can kind of go for broke. You can treat every shift as if it's your last, you know, mentally and physically. And in the talk, I could tell that that's the kind of thing that really suits his personality. Uh, Some people have that and some don't. And he's hungry. He's ready. Now, that said, in order to operate in that role, as the number three right-handed defenseman, and for that matter, the number three left-handed defenseman, you're going to have to kill penalties. And as such, you're going to have to kill penalties better than Chad Ruedel. Or if it's a left side, better than Ryan Shea, better than P.O. Joseph. Those slots, and that includes, I should add, the forwards who populate the bottom six, are Penned into the lineup, and I say penned, not penciled, based principally on how they fit within the penalty killing chart. Every NHL coach will tell you this, and you know what? You could work your way down the level, AHL, ECHL, colleges, juniors, and they'll tell you the same thing. They need to make sure that they've got their designated preferred penalty killers available to them in the course of the game. That matters a lot than anybody's third defense pairing, much less the one in Pittsburgh's, which, as I just noted, isn't nearly as important as it is in other cities. But I also know that Rue Weedle has his slumps. He has his uh, periods where he's just out of whack, loses a little bit of confidence, 
and he does get scratched. So I do think there's going to be an opportunity for Ludwig over the course of the season. I don't know, Tom, that he's going to be just written right back into the lineup as soon as he's ready, though. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. Again, I'm in Columbus. We're going to do another one of these after the game from here tomorrow. Tomorrow.